2: This episode of Bullshit's Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Thank you so much. The season is over, but we are still here. And for as little as the price of a cup of coffee or a beer, you can get ad-free episodes of this podcast on patreon.com slash bullshit breakaway. You can support this dumb show. That's right. You're listening to it. Support us. Thank you so much. A fun show today. We didn't have John Brancy, and then John Brancy showed up. We talk a lot about rumors, players that we've talked about in the past, if they could become Rangers or not, if we want them or not. So the off-season fun is here. I wish you all the best surviving it because the rumors will be hard and fast and very, very fun. But we'll be covering them all. You know where to find us every single week here. Uh, Without further ado, here's Mark Messier.
3: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
2: pusher events welcome to another week of the breakaway i am your host ryan mead of patreon.com where you can support this wonderful podcast and i'm here with my co-host greg Kaplan. and we don't talk politics on this podcast gregory say hello
3: wait what we well, don't
2: we're not allowed anymore oh Ooh. i put out a statement you don't you didn't see that there's a slack notification i cannot fucking believe this <laughs> that was that was someone probably it's probably
3: from the channel that is uh, hashtag politics in our Slack group too. It it was
2: so. Congratulations, unbelievable. Um, man, we're one week into the into the off season. I feel like I haven't talked to you in two years.
3: <laughs> I saw you on Friday. I know. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like like I, I understand what you're saying. We haven't had to do a podcast every other day the
2: last for two week, months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, I literally saw you. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well. It's been a while for the Ranger stuff, though. Uh, also,
3: if anybody's wondering, what uh, when Ryan isn't in the wedding, what does what does formal wear Ryan look like? No tie, two buttons deep, jacket wide open. Have Vice, what, baby? What, what happened? What did you just walk out of the strip club and come right to the wedding? I
2: just figured like everyone's wearing ties. I wanted to be di- ties. I wanted to be distinguished at Vinny's wedding. <laughs> His wife said she liked the look, so I was really appreciated of that.
3: If there's anything I know about Bex, she's just being nice. However, I will say uh that wedding i, I our grandf- we we used to make fun of the look but our grandfathers and our forebears they're, they're right suspenders are the way to go
2: suspenders are the way to go and i also when when i do eventually have a son i need to say the line every other bo- every other person you brought home was a boy but you married a man <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god Vinny. <laughs> i mean
3: first of all it was it was a it was a two-way burn because first of all burn on backs yeah for sure and then second Second, I was like, wait, did she marry someone else? Like, what happened? Yeah, Vinny
2: is not – for people that don't know, Vinny, not the most manly-looking dude of all time. Great guy. Wonderful. One of our best friends. But, like, a man?
3: I don't know. Yeah, Vin Vin turned 23 and stopped aging. Yeah, it was just over.
2: Um, Let's start with the Ranger question here. I've been kind of wondering this myself, and I know we don't play hypothetical games. We're going to do a little bit of that today. Oh, boy. How bad would the Avalanche have beaten the Rangers?
3: Uh, pretty, I mean I don't know I I gotta tell you it's like I understand what everyone is saying and they're all saying oh but if the Rangers went up against this avalanche team it would be it would be a bloodbath it'd be a slaughter blah 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 it's like man final score game one was 62 against the lightning the lightning just it takes them a minute I don't know I don't know why I don't understand it I I it's It is way too early for Ranger fans to be like, wow, they're down two games, not heading back to Tampa. This series is over. Considering we just lived through this. And again, it's like, yeah, no, the Avalanche are a different beast. I get it. But guys, it's not a series until the home team loses. Like how many times do we have to say this? It's that simple.
2: Yeah, I would expect Tampa to fight back in this series. I can't imagine them getting swept or going down 3-0. I mean, I didn't feel that way when the Rangers were playing them. They're just too good of a team. And we've seen this with Vasy so often, right? Where it's like, "Ooh, he looks vulnerable," and then it's like, eh, "He's never going to let anything else in." Now, the Avalanche are a different beast. Everybody's clicking on that team. They found their their next Barkley Goodrow, like six of them, and they're everybody's scoring. Cake McCarr is unbelievable. I don't know if you saw that typo, but I can't stop thinking about it. Mm. Um, uh, just Cake McCarr. He's, he, he has his cake and eats it too. He's unbelievable. And the whole squad is uh, it's been a it's been a solid like the game one was really good, went to overtime, just like one of those like classic NHL games. Game two was just a slaughter, just not so I've watched
3: I've watched zero minutes of the final. I'm going to watch zero minutes of the final. Don't
2: blame you one bit. Let's get to uh, some Ranger rumors because uh, you know what, it's rumor time. We've been. Oh, boy. I know, I know stuff. Well, is, you know, you know,
3: you know what it is. Crazy. I I, I had this realization today, and I was thinking about it in in like the NHL aspect too, because it is gonna be a bit of a condensed off season. I know that. But like the NBA finals ended what? Last week? Yep. And then this week's the NBA draft. And I was like, What can I have a minute? Can I can I get it? Can I get a can second? I chill?
2: And Kyrie's gonna be a Nick? Oh god, oh. no, he's oh. Come on. No, he's gonna stay with Brooklyn. I don't really. Or maybe I don't not. think he's
3: staying with Brooklyn. I just don't think he's going to the Nick. You
2: think he's gonna actually make it to the Lakers?
3: I think he's actually going to make it to the Lakers. So I think it's going to be hilarious. I don't know how they're going to do It's going to have to be a three-teamer. Yeah. What is LeBron no going to do? What is he going to do? It's not. No, it's not even the LeBron aspect of it. It's just, there's no fucking way Durant is playing with Westbrook again.
2: How, you know, if I was Durant, I'd be so pissed. I know this isn't an <laughs> NBA podcast. but <laughs> We're not cho- even
3: having fits on today. This is incredible. I
2: know you chose to go to Brooklyn. You followed him. And now he's the one leaving. You're still in Brooklyn. You lost Harden. Oh my goodness. That woof. Oh, meanwhile, meanwhile your former team just won the championship again. Nice job, Katie. Good job. But they got Ben Simmons. Oh, good. Wonderful. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rumor time, as, as uh, addressed earlier. I think this is one we addressed a lot last year, and we're going to address it again because I think it's starting to rev its engine once again. That's the Kane rumors from Chicago. Ugh. I know. I know. I just, we addressed it a lot over the summer. We had a couple. I know Larry Brooks wrote about it. You and I are pretty anti Kane coming to the New York Rangers. I understand the talent. The charts aren't as nice as the name, if you look. I know he's been playing on the Chicago Blackhawks the last couple years. It's kind of like, okay, well, maybe he hasn't been trying as hard. Been a lot going on with that organization, but I just can't even see what the Rangers would begin to start trading for him. Is it like the standard Eichel package of just like meals, crafts off and a pick? That's it. Is that well, I think it,
3: it first of all, it has to be more because the Blackhawks have to eat money. I understand it's still just one year's worth of money, but you can't even do the Eichel package because you are asking Chicago to do something you weren't asking Buffalo to do, which is keep some of that money that they can't otherwise use for other purposes. I'm not even saying trying to make the roster better, but just like doing the Iserman where they just get free draft picks for eating a bad contract for a year or two. Um, you're prohibiting them from doing that by essentially trading them to the Rangers. I just, I, I thought, I think it's pretty funny, not maybe ha funny, but like, yeah, come on. Uh, some people push back on my Stasny stuff. There's one because I forgot that Stasny was one of the idiots who were like the Canadian convoy is a good thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and was like actively trying to fund it. But, and they said one of the reasons they don't like Stasny is because of what his influence would do to the locker room. And some of those people are like, yeah, but Patrick Kane.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Patrick Kane. Good
3: yeah, guy. It, make, it oh. makes a thing. Also, I, I, as I said before, I'll, you know, look, if, I, I get it. I'm not, I obviously don't agree with any of the politics of guys like Paul Stasny. We don't need a good one. Don't need anyone coming at us. But all I'm saying is look at Adam Fox's likes and then <laughs> chirp me one more time. That's a, that's it. That's all I'll well, say. We love
2: Adam Fox. Be fair. Yeah.
3: But anyway, like ignoring my own personal feelings for Kane, ignoring, um, whether I think he's a good person. I, th- I feel like he's answered that question pretty emphatically on his own. and doesn't need a simpleton like me weighing in on it to make it obvious. Um, but, yeah, no, you need the Blackhawks to eat 50% of his salary just to make the numbers work. Because since last time we talked, Sammy Blay is back. Uh, it, it is about what we expected it to be, considering he missed half the season. I, I think it's fine. If he wants to continue commenting sexy babe on family member pictures, go for it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, it, it that That's – that is his prerogative i i whatever would
2: be Don't funny understand. if he like commented it on his grandma's instagram
3: sexy bit. <laughs> to be fair like I, there was a whole uh, at the rehearsal dinner we a, a couple of my friends and i we got into uh an entire like 25 minute conversation on what words like mid bussin mid like th- what that shit actually means and i was like i've just never been more old in my entire life so it's completely possible that when i i saw someone say like it it's Quebec slang and it means some. I don't fucking know. I don't participate. I just know the optics aren't great. That's all I. Can
2: just a say. PR guy. That's all I say. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's
3: it. If he was my client, I'd be like, could we pick a different thing? Like, say, bussin'. Call your sister bussin'. Everyone would understand it. I don't. And the would, people that I, don't or at least think it's sexual.
2: Craig, I feel like I'm on the internet. I don't know what bussin' means. Like, I'm pretty on the internet. You know, I have no idea. Sarah no
3: Griffin knows. Ask Sarah. She knows. All right. Friend I'll, of the
2: show. I'll ask her. Yeah, Sammy Blake, uh, the contract is, is rather reasonable. I'm actually looking for it right now, but if you – oh, it's a 1.525. Fine. Yeah, uh, it, it's nothing money. It's nothing money. Nothing money. Good business by Drury. Congratulations. But even then, like you were saying about Patrick Kane, it's like got to eat half. And, and is right wing really what you're looking for? I think – well –
3: it's not that necessarily it isn't a need. I think that's fair. Like again, there are two ways you can approach the season. You can approach it you you can try and do the avalanche model, but even the avalanche added the deadline, but the avalanche for the most part were a complete package heading into the season, right? So you could you could you could try to get all your business done in the off season, let it marinate for 82 games, run into the playoffs with it. Or you could do what Drury did last year when he wasn't able to get his guy, which is he gave guys a long runway. And if he didn't think it was going to work, he had enough time and enough assets to make the adjustments at the deadline. And it's what the lightning do very successfully. Uh, it, it's what what many teams do. I would say like most teams besides the Maple Leafs and the Blues, for the most part, they kind of figure their shit out at the deadline. And if you're the New York Rangers, why don't you want to just why wouldn't you want to give Lafreniere and Kako 50 games to just like show us what you got? Can you take your game to another level or do we have to add pieces around the rim again of this roster to boost everything up? And if you're if you're making a move for Kane, you're essentially taking away your ability to do that midseason. And the counter argument to that be like, well, you don't need to do that midseason. You have Patrick Kane. Like, what more would you have to add at the deadline if you added a guy like Patrick Kane? Fair. But think of the players you're giving up to get Kane, right? You're taking away one of your young, controllable wings, probably Kako. You're taking away defensive, young defensive depth, one of Lundquist and Jones. Uh, And if it's Jones, by the way, you're taking away an actual 18 game player like 18 players need to dress every night. So if you trade Jones, you now need to go out and get another piece. Um, and again, you're just, you're eating up so much of the salary cap space without addressing another middle six center, without addressing defensive depth, without addressing a backup goalie. They're not positions we necessarily thought are super important. And you're not necessarily impacting Keandre Miller's future contract. I get that because it's a one-year deal. But it's, you're adding enough extra algebra to what you need this team to do that you honestly have to ask yourself if you are better getting Patrick Kane and nothing else or keeping Capo Kako and adding two pieces of impact. Not necessarily Kane impact, but like, you know, instead of going stars and scrubs, you can kind of go mid-level
2: exception. I get that. I totally understand. It's just uh, the Kane thing. I, I don't see. I don't see it making the Rangers a better team. I'd rather have. I know Patrick Kane is awesome. But doesn't, well, I well,
3: know, uh, but to your point, not to cut you off, but to yeah, you, go ahead. I think the, the point, the point you're really making, and I totally agree with, it's not that the Rangers are necessarily not making them a better team. It's just what really failed the New York Rangers in the playoffs this year. Depth. You're not making the Rangers deeper because you're going to have to trade Your young death to get Patrick Kane. So you're going to start next season. You you think you've addressed one problem scoring, but what you it's not high end scoring the Rangers lack. It's scoring throughout the lineup. And it's when your stars aren't playing well, did the Rangers have enough in the other parts of this team to carry the slack? And the answer was no. So you're you're not you're making the you're adding a good player. Right. Not we can't you and I can't sit here and be like, well, Patrick Kane is not. a." Good no, I'm not telling but you that. Who's saying that? Nobody. Yes. No, nobody. But what we're saying is you're not actually addressing the things the Rangers couldn't do these playoffs. It's this team needs to be deeper. This team needs to have three full lines that it can trust and it can roll. And you're going to have to trade two thirds of the kid line to get
2: Patrick Kane. And, and on top of that, how does it that doesn't, make your team deeper? It doesn't make you defensively sound. It also doesn't. Imp- how much can you improve your power play? How much? Like Greg, the power play was fucking awesome last year. It was great. What? We had a great no, time, except for the times it didn't score in the playoffs. But other than that, lethal the entire year. And all of a sudden, you're replacing Ryan Strom. You're putting Kane there. It's like all right. Uh how many more goals can we score? Is it is, does it really make a difference? Cuz we can't. No, because can't again play that's, that's your, how others. many
3: times how many times in this podcast have we said it's not that the bumper spot on a power play is not important. It's just like it's very clear that Ryan Strom was the Rangers fifth most important and impactful player on their power play. So why even have Ryan Strom in that spot and why not use other people? So like you don't need like 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 you're saying by putting Patrick Kane on the power play, you're not actually upgrading the unit because the other four guys are the thing that makes that unit go. So why would you, it's like, if you already have enough money to buy the house, why are you entering a new bid to buy the house?
2: Exactly. And that doesn't improve your, your, your team. Now I want I, am sure you saw the, some of the rumors, at least with Ryan Strom that he might be willing to take a discount to stay. I sure. want to discuss what that even looks like because i mean but, well but the,
3: i have a interesting way to attack this conversation i'm ready and i i understand it's shorter but i think it's more more interesting if we really thought ryan strom was willing to take a hometown discount wouldn't there already be a contract signed
2: my only counterpoint to that is he didn't have a pelvis injury before when that happened that he might require surgery on that could affect his future play
3: okay but then so the counter to that counter is, well, if I'm now dealing with a broken Ryan Strom, why am I signing
2: him? It's a great point. Because because he, he might he might sign for the the answer is if he signs for two years, four million a year. Would you do yeah, that? Yeah, I, I mean I, probably would. I think I would too. But
3: I, my counter is, the Rangers aren't necessarily, I. Right, if he's willing to just do a two year, four million dollar deal, that means his injury is serious, which means he's not ready for the start of the season. And you're at least worried that when he is ready, he's not Ryan the same Ryan Strome.
2: Probably anymore. till probably till mid season. Let's put it that oh, way.
3: Right. So do we think the New York Rangers are a good enough team where they can make it half a season playing three centers, essentially? Even then it won't even be playing the season with just two guys for three spots, because I like Barclay Goodrow. I don't think the New York Rangers see him as their third line center necessarily. I see they see him as a very important part of that third line, but you need something that third line can't be Barclay Goodrow, Sammy Blay, and Vitaly Krabsov. That's That's not what the New York Rangers are going (laughs) for, right? So the my argument is if Ryan Strom is so injured that he's now shaving at least three years and at least $2 million off his price tag, is that good business for the New York Rangers? It doesn't feel like the answer is yes.
2: I agree with you, but at the same time, I'm like, man, if he was willing to do that, I think I'd have to sign up because I, I had the craziest thought over the weekend, and I don't, maybe it's not that crazy. And I, I think I prefer Ryan Strom to Andrew Kopp. I still think I prefer Ryan Strom to Andrew Cop. If they were the same price and you had to tell me I had to choose one, I think I choose Ryan Strom.
3: But that's just cuz you're more comfortable and familiar with Strom, right? Like yeah. you don't, you have the experience with Strom. You know it works to a certain extent. So you're minimizing risk. With Cop, we still like you're opening a can of worms with Cop where the Strom floor is significantly higher because you know what it is and it's fine. But you don't know necessarily what the floor or the ceiling is with Cop, which is what makes it so interesting. And for that matter, any free agent or trade the Rangers make, like it's Cop, even it's more so though, because
2: he was played all, all across all three lines in in Winnipeg. He's he's come out and said he really wants to play in the top six, willing to play in the right wing if he needs to. I I I'm pretty. He didn't come out and say he was hurt. I'm pretty sure he was towards the end of the season and then played through something. I think, like, like people have asked me if Artemi Panarin plays through something. Why didn't they announce it? I still believe he was injured. He doesn't want to make excuses. He makes $11.6 million. The last thing he needs to do is make an excuse. Doesn't mean it wasn't there. Just to make my point, there was a Ranger two years ago that was playing with a back fra- fracture, uh, and we never found out about it. And they're still on the team. So, uh, Yeah, I think I'm think I, I just comfortable with Ryan Strom. I know how the power play works. I know how much Artemi Panarin loves him. I think keeping our Tammy Panarin is better than keeping Jacob Truba happy. As crazy as that sounds, even though Jacob Truba is the GM. Does that make sense? I don't think Truba's going to be over. I I think Truba knows this game enough
3: to know that like it's a business. If any player on the Rangers besides Adam Fox knows that the NHL is just a straight up business, it's got to be Jacob Truba because listen, their friendship, however great it was, wasn't good enough to keep Truba in Winnipeg, right? So it's not Fair. It's not like it's not like he hasn't done this dance before. Um, and I'm sure he'll continue to talk to his friend and he'll be thrilled if his friend gets a really rich contract, even if it's with the not Rangers. Um to me though, honestly, signing a a not a hundred percent signing a not one hundred percent Ryan Strom would feel a lot like the Brody Van Wagen and Wilpon Mets and not the Billy Epler, Steve Cohen Mets. Where, like, again, not to compare him once it's for a second straight week to Michael Conforto, but the Mets of old look at Conforto, see the injury, and go, well, we'll get him for two years. We'll allow him that one rehab year. We're going to still try to be competitive during that rehab year. But when Conforto comes back, just you wait. And whereas this Met regime is like, or we could just sign Mark Anna, Starling Marte, repurpose that money, do good things, make this team deeper. And I don't know, be as close to 100% healthy as we possibly can be on opening day and try to win this thing in April as opposed to waiting until September. Like it's, to me, if you're saying he's injured enough where he's sacrificing years and dollars to come back, then maybe he's too injured to help this Ranger team. And if we're going to say that the window is open, guess what? People need to be ready to go on day one. We don't got time to wait around. October I understand 11th it's a long season. Night,
2: just a yeah. reference.
3: I, I I understand. It's a long season. It's 82 games. And when you have Igor and it might not matter if your forward lineup is 100% healthy, but you're putting a lot of trust in Strom being able to rehab it, come back, and be Ryan Strom again. Like, it, while you're saying you have a comfort level with him, and I understand that, you have to understand that if a guy is that hurt, that his entire free agency is being compromised, then you're not actually getting the Ryan Strome we know. There's a chance you get a different Strom when he comes back. And you're saying you'd rather take that risk as opposed to just going out and getting someone different? Because you're already getting someone different.
2: I think I was proven, uh, if it was, uh, let me put it this way. If it's just between Cop and Strom, I prefer Strom. I think the Rangers will explore other options that are not those two. I'm starting to get the feeling, gut feel, no sources, no nothing, that it's neither of them, that none of the people are going to come back. That all
3: I'm saying is, I don't know if she's a family member, but someone named Bryn Stasny liked one of my Stasny tweets today. That's all I'm saying. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I, she, it's, not, it's not it's not, the misses, and it's not a brother or a sister. But could be someone just- with the last name Stasny, who is a Vegas Golden Knight fan, liked a tweet of mine today.
2: That's very interesting.
3: Makes me, me think.
2: Makes you think. Makes me think. Makes me think. Want to do a couple quick five stars. We're we're gonna have John Brantley on today. That'll be an interesting conversation. We'll talk. He's a Grammy award winning baritone. Did that one nice. Yeah, you may have heard of him. Yeah, MSG legend. We'll talk about that with him in a couple minutes. Uh, let's do some five stars, and then we can bullshit our way till Branty gets on. Uh, what's the, uh, this is from K- Krib- Kribinajad? What's the number one thing the Rangers must improve on this off season? Scoring, possession, neutral play, depth, etc. It's five v five, is it not? Well, I, it's it's all those things, right? Yeah, because the answer it's is like, yes.
3: Yeah, what what do we just like? The Rangers need to be deeper because they need scoring throughout their lineup. You can't just trust on of Abenajad, and, and Panarin to lead your team offensively. They need he, they need playoff heatle to carry into the regular season. They need Lafreniere to take his logical next step. They need Kako to be healthy, and they just. They, like, Vitaly Kravtsov is going to be really important. Really, really important. Isn't it
2: funny how this all comes back to that?
3: Isn't it? That's life, baby. But, and again, I'll say this. If it's not Kravtsov, it's that roster spot. The Rangers need to pay better attention and be more diligent with what they do with that roster spot. Yes, you can go out at the deadline and get a Frank Vitrano type. Absolutely. But the point, the goal is... To not have to make that move at the deadline. And that's essentially what they're hoping Vitaly Kravtsov will be.
2: Yeah, I think they're going to have to... The Rangers' defense improved a lot in the Stanley Cup Finals. Or playoffs, whatever. They they limited a lot of shots. They were able to rely on Igor when they needed to. But they were also playing great defensive hockey. Weren't really allowing a lot of high-danger chances. But they couldn't create on their own whatsoever. I think a key, which sounds so stupid to say, is that the future playoffs might not be every other day. They might not be the condensed schedule. And that's really, that's how I've been looking at it is the downfall of the New York Rangers. They played two seven-game series back-to-back, and then they played a Tampa team that was a little bit fresher than them, as they played every other day for two months. The conditioning wasn't there. Adam Fox had never played that many games. Igor Shesterkin had never played that many games. Or Temi Panarin hadn't played that many games in many years. So the team just w- was worn out. And maybe maybe that extended run gives them the cardio for next year. They'll have this, this three month break. The schedule won't be as condensed as it was this year because even I mean Greg, the last two months of the regular season it was like three or four games a week, was it not? To go from right from that into the playing two games a night for two months, the guy, every, all the guys were gassed, which doesn't make you know brings me back to the kid point why the kids weren't playing 25 minutes a night they were, why,
3: why they weren't taking guys out of the lineup before they got to a point where it was impossible to catch the hurricanes again. It's like it, these these are pieces of conversation. I still think about I, that.
2: Rough. so I'm going to cut you off. The Ryan Strom last he played the last night. Ryan Strom Ryan Lingren played the last night of the season when we were like begging them to to bench people, and he got injured that night. What what are we doing?
3: It's just, it, how many times do we have to have the load management conversation? It's just, it's just that it. it it, it's funny that it's, it's pieces of conversations we have all the time. And at the end of the season, it's like the bill adds up. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I'm not saying if the rate, right. That, that's not the, the point we're not trying to make is if the New York Rangers rested Ryan Lindgren on oh, April no, no, 13th, no. No, we're not saying they no. would have gone deeper. That's not, no. that's not the point. It's just like by using load management, it forces you to play people with different people. And the Rangers clearly got out of sorts when they had to put out lineups and rotations that they just hadn't tried before. And if you are managing the load better, you are forced into situations where guys have to play with other guys, so on and so forth. And it's just, it adds up. Like, th- this, is, this is how you end up here. It really is. Yes, the New York Rangers it g- got a bit unlucky. But also, like, I don't know. To me, Ryan, if there's one thing I could absolutely positively change about how the New York Rangers played in the playoffs and what I want them to do, less of – I just want them to – like, it, it's so lame to say. It's so old man hockey. Just put pucks on fucking net. Like, I get do Dude, it the last three really games fun. were
2: brutal. They couldn't yeah, even get it, it on net. It looks really
3: fun. It looks really great. The highlight is great when the Rainbow Road pass works. But Jesus fucking Christ, can you shoot – for the
2: intent and purpose of creating a rebound, I'm begging. I'm begging. Last question before we get to Brancy. Uh, this is from David. Now that the rebuild is over, we're beginning our cup contention window. Was the best move of the rebuild, lot of luck included, the Rick Nash trade? The answer is yes, by the way. It's not close. Well, I'm going to say no. Really? I'll
3: say no. I'll say it's a part of the, the – Nash trade was the gift that kept on giving, right? If you wanted to say the, the Nash trade tree, then it's impossible – to argue but to me I think you have to remember that it was one for one Strom for Spooner and because the Oilers bought out Spooner that extra money secured Artemi Panarin so like if you wanted to do one one. (laughs) if you wanted to do one individual move yes you got Spooner in the Nash trade but like you got Strom for Spooner straight up and the Oilers created your cap space to sign Artemi Panera. But like it the entirety of the Nash trade is ridiculous. You got the draft pick that was used in a trade to acquire Keandre Miller, Ryan Lindgren, Spooner, and you just like off the price of just taking Matt Beleski and that's it. But to me, like if I had to if I had to bring it down to one singular move, I think Spooner to Strom is actually the pivot point.
2: And with that, let's get to John Brantley. We'll transition over now. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first, don't have a guest. Okay, it's just me and Greg. <laughs> hey, we did it. Hey, we're back. Uh, something happened. We don't know what's going on. I'm sure, I hope everything is hope okay. Hope all is well. That's hope really all, all uh, we can say at this hope point. Hope all is right? well. So you're getting another 30 minutes of Greg and I. We're back, baby. I uh, thought we'd do something fun, Gregory. I have a list of names here. And, uh Uh-oh. Well, this this segment's going to be called What I'm Hearing. You like that? It's okay. Like, hey, is it what
3: you're hearing or is it what Mickey Rangers is hearing?
2: It's the Ocho. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure
3: because it, when you say you're hearing it, it does put your credibility on the
2: line. So what I do is I pretend I'm an insider and I just follow the ocho. um hmm. So you know, everything he says is gospel. Can't go wrong. If you tweet enough, you, you'll be right eventually. I think that's how that works.
3: The funny, the funny thing about what Mickey ate and gospel is like both things are false.
2: So it works. <laughs> hey. Bud times. Uh he does have a good chart here on names he's heard of, and it's a lot of names we've talked about in this podcast.
3: <laughs> oh wait, names names you've just heard of? He's like Jonathan. Well do the, the right Sean th- I, we should have oh man, the better bit here would have been like uh, who who are the Rangers going to acquire that Ryan can't pronounce and why is it Jonathan Toez? Yeah,
2: it's Toez. Taos, Tays, Twins, Twos, so many of them. Uh let's start with uh let's start with Larkin. A name that you uh, and I have talked about a lot over the years. Probably th- too much. I think, yep, I agree with you. Heard a little... Again, this segment's called... I Heard That. That's why I just renamed it. It's called I Heard That now. I heard about Larkin early last summer, right towards the beginning of the Eichel stuff, that the Rangers could be poking around there. It never really got too serious. From what we heard, learned from the wing Wheels guys, who have a pretty good pulse on the team. Not that CBY really um, lets anything out. He's very protective of any information, but uh, it seems like Larkin's their only bona fide center in the Red Wings organization right now. Not only that, he's captain, and uh, I don't see a reason they would move him unless the Rangers significantly overpaid. And then, and you're never going to believe this, Gregory, they'd have to extend him afterwards, uh, which is what they're also trying to do to Ryan Strom and Andrew Copp. So I, I feel like he's an out automatically.
3: Well, I also just, we brought up Winged Wheel. Love Winged Wheel. Everybody should uh, follow and enjoy their content as well. Um, And last week's episode, they were talking about trade packages for Capocacco. Because if you were wondering what the ramifications of scratching Capocacco in a must-win playoff game have for other fan bases, it's now fantasy booking trades involving your guys, which I got to tell you, significantly less fun.
2: Uh, Um, Ryan did DM me and said, "What, what would it take to get a Capocacco? And, I was like, and it's funny
3: because he did the same thing to me. And I was like, Dylan Larkin. And he's like, well, we don't want to do that. And I was like, there you go. You're not going <laughs> to do Lucas Raymond. So it's like, well, I have this conversation. Um, yeah, I, 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 you and I were talking about this as we were trying to think about things that we could talk about, you know, podcasting.
2: Podcasting, yeah, cool. Uh,
3: and I think I think it is time for us to retire the, we can always trade for a guy on the Red Wings because they're rebuilding Um, moniker because guess what guys that is a team on the rise now which means every player there is there for a reason and has a purpose to serve and that purpose is not get more assets to keep pushing the window a couple more years Uh, I'm with you first of all I think it would be uncomfortable how much you'd actually have to give up to get him he's not cheap second he's not cheap which means he's probably going to get paid around Zibanejad's level And that's not something the New York Rangers have the budget room to do, nor really like, I like Dylan Larkin, but if you're just giving 17 plus million dollars to Zibanejad and Larkin, it's like, I don't think that is part of the plan long-term for this team. Like that's not where the money's supposed to be going to both those guys. Um, Yeah. I, I just, I think the window of opportunity for Dylan Larkin, if you were another organization has Closed. You're done. He's a Red Wing. I don't. I'm not going to say for life, obviously, but he is a clear part of the next big push for the Red Wings. And i I don't see a scenario in which the Rangers, the Rangers, get him. Like you, you, you're not getting him without including Kako. You're not getting him without including Lundquist And if your eyes are in and you're pushing the window that f- much further open, at least one first round draft pick. And I, like I, I'm good. I don't I like you're giving up all again. It's it, this is essentially the Patrick Kane conversation, right? Because you're giving up all of that, and you're also going to have to pay the man.
2: Like it's it's just too much. Another name that you and I have discussed on this show, uh, Pierre Stasney, Pierre Luc Dubois. <laughs> I like
3: Pierre Luc Dubois.
2: Five million dollar yeah. cap hit. Be signed for one year. What would you have to even trade to get? a, Is that another Kako trade? I, I, maybe even then uh, even then it's like uh, i don't, don't want to do that if you
3: if you're the, if you're the jets you hope it is right but i do think with dubois there's a possibility you might be able to get him for cheaper because there has, at least has been rumblings of unrest between the possibility of him staying in winnipeg long term right so if and again, you're not he was
2: 23 60 point player yep. last year yep. has, has quite the resume Maybe he can blossom in this situation, but you're going to have to pay him way more than five million dollars. Way more. Oh god, yeah. Way more. Oh god, more. yeah. And I some
3: some of these conversations are unfair, and it's possible it's possible that it's unfair for me to bring it up, but it's like twenty three year old sixty plus point multi season highly productive center going to his third team already. Like, hmm. I understand the NHL and it's it, the front
2: offices are dumb, but they're not that dumb, right? I don't think so. There's there's something there. Maybe maybe he would be great on the Rangers. I'm sure actually he would be great on the Rangers and he would solve their yeah, center because problems. Because
3: and and the counter to this is like, well, you live in Columbus and Winnipeg and then tell me You you're let me know how happy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah, I get it to that extent, but it it's yeah, I, I, he's a highly productive player. Um but again, it's like the Jets would have to be prepared to blow it up. And if the Jets are going to blow it up, to me, in terms of bang for buck and in terms of what you'd have to give up to get the player like shifley just makes a whole lot more sense if you're the new york rangers
2: which brings me to jt miller another player that's been on oh, multiple Jesus teams Christ. that has been highly oh. sought after by a parent you know what the
3: best you know what the best part of the post deadline and playoff run was ryan not talking about jt miller oh my god it was great i honestly forgot he existed for a little bit
2: yeah, well, he still exists, and his salary is still pretty low. But guess what? He's going to want a new contract. He scored a, just under 100 points last year. It's $5 million right now, 5.2. Rangers could easily fit it. But you'd pretty much be trading for one year of JT Miller. There's absolutely no— What do you think JT Miller's next contract is? 8.5? 9? Oh, uh,
3: again, it, it's going to be more— If you're uncomfortable paying Strom, I know part of the reason you're uncomfort- most people are uncomfortable paying Strom is because they, you know, they see the missed Nets— they they see what he isn't, so they ignore what he is. But if you are saying that Ryan Strome isn't worth X, then J T. Miller is not going to be worth Y. Like it's, he's not a big enough upgrade over Strome for you to be like, I would to give Strome six, but I'd give Miller seven and a half. Like that's that that that's that's a, that that that's not smart. I don't like.
2: I disagree. First of all, there's no way he'd accept seven and a half. That would be like.
3: Yeah, I do think he's going to get he's he feels like a guy that gets 8, right? He gets
2: 8.5. He's a 100-point player last year. It's nuts.
3: Uh Yeah, I again, like the Shifley point and the and to a lesser extent the Stastny point is my is really the thing that I I would be pushing here. If you're the New York Rangers and you've decided you're not in a position with the salary cap to be giving out long-term contracts, 4 years plus to any middle six center that takes you out of the Larkin, the Dubois and the Miller conversations, because yes, you don't have to give those contracts out this year, but you're giving them out. Like you're getting those guys for five years, or at least that's the purpose of the trade and the assets you're giving up that those, those are the assets you give up for a guy that becomes part of the long-term picture. That's why to me, the Rangers just need to find these two year bridge guys, essentially, not a bridge in terms of like they're bad players. It's just guys you can bring in for two years and you're not worried about year three because you understand that you need to now go find the next guy you can just bring in for two years. That's why Stasny as a free agent makes all the sense in the world. 36 year old center, who's still highly productive both offensively and defensively not going to sign for more than a three year deal. And that's why like, again, going back to Dubois, if you're trading for a center from Winnipeg, get Shifley, who's under contract for two years and is not going to be a player that you're necessarily thinking about extending when those two years are up. Like you bring him in, he serves his role. It's this, this is again, like Ryan, I'm going to do something. I do a lot on this podcast compared to the New York Mets. Yes. Yeah. Like the Mets gave, gave Mark Cannon and Eduardo Escobar two year deals because they, and with options for a third, because they see these guys as two year puzzle pieces. And then they expect after these two years are up, to either go find a different puzzle piece or promote a puzzle piece internally. Ryan, I'm going to let you take over for a second. Uh, I got a, I'm getting a phone call that I think I know who it is.
2: Okay, sounds good. Uh, the pieces that we're talking about just so far um, in this situation, the, the one name we haven't mentioned yet is Bo Horvat. And I'm looking at Bo Horvat's stats right now, and i got to be honest with you. Out of everyone we named, and that's Larkin, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Miller, Shifley, Horvath's the one I'd want to trade for the least out of all these players. Uh, his contract is 5.5 million. Last year, they only put up 52 points. Now, I know Vancouver was an absolute mess. was totally awful. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's the player we should be trading for. I think Shifley, as Greg noted, is the one player that to go after. I, I think if I had to tier rank them, because I don't think Larkin's a possibility. I think Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois are one and two for trade targets. I think the most likely is actually JT Miller, but that doesn't mean JT Miller is going to be a New York Ranger. The, I, listen, he's been linked by Larry Brooks like a million times. And I'm not sure if Brooks has the juice like he used to have uh, in the rumor side of things. Bruce is, uh, Brooks is still connected in many, 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 many ways. But it just feels like the JT Miller, I know he's like a changed man, and he's changed since the Rangers' time, and he's become a, a harder player to play against, 99 points last year. Nine point five million is probably he could get nine point five million. Would you be surprised? I don't think you would. I'm not sure. So while I wait for Greg to get back from this phone call, I'm actually going to move on to tier two here, which is the free agents you could possibly sign. Now there are a couple, and there are, there are a couple that are very interesting. We'll start with the easy ones, obviously. Uh, Copp and Strom. Both those players are going to be uh, in negotiations. I, I heard listen, I heard this. The Rangers prefer Cop. Not solid set in stone. Who knows? I think the Ryan Strom injury is really playing into this, as you probably know. There is. Here's the thing I can't sign either of them for five years. And I think that's the big problem here. When you look at Koppenstrom, Strom, if you go five years, like what was the point of trading Pal bushnevich if you were just going to play Ryan Strom for five more years? Wouldn't you rather just move Heedle up? Have Pavel Bushnevich. And what did Pavel make? Like 5.25? I know we're talking Pavel Bushnevich on J- June 20th at 7.16 p.m. And that's ridiculous. But I think I'd rather, if you would tell me, who would you rather have right now? First line right winger, who's point per game player, or Ryan Strome, be Pavel. So if you, Yeah, if
3: this I'm sure everything you've said, Ryan, sounds great. You like I, that? I'm positive of it. I you like that? The word of it. Uh, by the way, Branch, is calling in in five minutes. Oh, is he? Yeah. That's... Uh, he, um, the kid from Stranger Things. Yes. Uh, they apparently became friends during this entire Ranger run. Okay. And John was just giving him a two hour voice lesson. And he lost track
2: of time. I hate when that happens. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: hate uh, uh, Let's finish this segment up then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah,
3: yeah. We got we got like three minutes.
2: Yeah, and then we'll do twenty with Brancy and call it a show. Yeah, I just um, want to hear about that. Yeah, me too. Uh, so uh, I went to the free agents to talk about how you can't sign Koppenstrom for more than two years. Uh, right. oh, let's do, I'm going to do three quick names with you. Bergeron, okay. do you see a possibility?
3: No. Bergeron, like Rask, he plays for the Bruins or he doesn't play at all?
2: Trocheck is it even, like, he's not going to accept two years. There's no 0% way. Zero
3: percent chance he accepts two years. Like, if, if, if you're saying Koppenstrom are not going to accept two years, why would Trocheck?
2: This is the only one I could possibly see, and that's Malkin. I yeah, I can. See
3: see it. It. No, but like, do the Rangers even have the money to make it worth his while on a one-year deal? If
2: he, because apparently the rumor is Pittsburgh offered him like five million, right? So, so, but like, if
3: you're the if you're the Rangers, you have to remember it's it's like to a certain extent we have to remember these guys have feelings about the Rangers too, right? That's a big reason why Claude Giroux didn't want to come here. Well, if and you if you really don't like
2: the Rangers and you really want to spite your old company that won't pay you five million dollars, you might go to the Rangers. Like, okay, I know, fine. but
3: I I think the price to get him in New York is at least seven. And again, if it's seven, like how are you fudging the books on Kako to do it?
2: Hmm. He might take less than seven. He might. I mean, he shouldn't.
3: I I, I'm not getting I'm not getting. I would not get my hopes up with Malkin. Um I think it's also fair to point out in this moment, while we can't be political. That Malkin is more Ovechkin when it comes to his opinions on Putin than he is Panarin. So I I do think that would be um at least a something you'd have to ask Artemi about before you sign him. Uh but if Artemis cool with it, like, yeah, I mean it's it's a possibility. I just I personally, I don't know. I still think some team out there, like an idiotic team, will give him three years, don't you? Yes. Like, can't you see the Canucks doing something for I just see Crosby like going
2: into the office and being like, sign my fucking dude, or I'm going to be cause hell. <laughs> <laughs> i my dude. But I just, or like, I mean, I don't know how the Flyers would do it, but can't you see the Flyers giving them like
3: four years?
2: Flyers, like, they don't have money. Like, I, I, literally, like, they. I'm sure they have cash, well, base, they but <laughs> I don't think they have money. <laughs> no, but can't you see them trade,
3: like, they trade Sanheim and Provorov, two interesting young defensemen, in order to keep Ristolainen and pay Malkin. Boy, I can see the flyers doing that. You got me?
2: God bless John Tortorella.
3: I love Philadelphia. I oh uh, nope. Almost oh, came oh. out. Oh. Now, fuck that city, hope All it right. gets new. So
2: I guess we'll actually transition to John Brancy now?
3: We'll actually transition this time.
2: Okay, please. I'm gonna actually do it. Transition to literally John Brancy. Hey, we're back with our guest, John Brancy Grammy winning opera singer and voice actor. John, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you guys for having me on. I'm very, very excited to be here and calling in uh as I'm driving
2: <laughs> very very cool um but, well we did
4: actually almost, no, actually Andre. John
3: why don't we why don't we go right into why you're driving right now because the story
4: is ridiculous well yeah I mean I was I was visiting my folks back in Jersey I'm actually from uh South New Jersey kind of close to Philadelphia um which is you know I I have some uh, affinity for the for some of the Philadelphia teams, not all of them, but uh, I will say the the Philadelphia Eagles are near and dear to my heart. Um, But that's kind of beside the point. I was home seeing my parents, seeing my dad for Father's Day. And um, and another character who is uh, from South Jersey in the area is uh, none other than uh, Gaten Matarazzo, who's uh, from the series on Netflix, Stranger Things. He plays Dustin. Dusty, they also call him. Um, And we actually linked up today um, for a voice lesson, because he's going to be going and performing one of the characters in Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway, that is uh, going into rehearsals this coming week, and uh, he wanted to do some work on his voice um, in different different ways, because it's a really demanding um, show in a lot of different ways, not operatically so much, but a lot of the things that i've learned from opera because it's all about stamina actually it's one of the biggest aspects of of what i do it it translates pretty pretty well to um other styles of singing so i feel like we did a really uh we had a really good time and um and he, i met him actually at one of the rangers games i can't remember which one it was but it was when uh, i think it was during the hurricanes uh when they were playing the hurricanes
2: Incredible. So we were we were worried. We we said we hope everything's okay with John. You know, we, we well, everything's okay with his family. And then you just called Greg. and was like, yeah, actually, I did two-hour voice lesson with Stranger Things. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> never mind. We're good. We've been blown yes. up for worse. Um, let's yeah, st- exactly. Let's start here. How did you? Did the Rangers just call you one day and like actually you got to do the national anthem and then we won and then we could never change it again? How did that even that whole process go for you? Well. Um, it was, I I can't remember the
4: exact date, but it was late February, as far as I remember. And, um, I was actually talking to this agent that is also one of the music directors of Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. His name is David Lai. And David and I, uh, were just chatting on, on, uh, some sort of, some social media chat and he posted a video that he was like at Lincoln Financial Field and, I think it was a game where the Eagles beat the Giants, and I kind of was, you know, getting his goat a little bit on that. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and he had asked me if I had ever sung the anthem for anything. And uh, I said, not yes, but not for a professional sports game. And it turns out that he was actually involved with Madison Square Garden in helping them procure singers for the national anthem. Uh, Kind of around the time when uh, Amarante retired, I, I assume, um, because they knew that they were going to have a you know massive shoes fill there, and need to um, get some interesting talent in. And so he has been he had been doing that for over I think five plus years. And of course the pandemic hit and all that. Um, but he asked me to do it, and I was like, oh, of course. He's like, do you want to sing at the, at Madison Square Garden? Would you be interested in that? I'm like, uh, yes. yeah of course I'd be interested in doing that (laughs) uh yeah and so the first game that I did I think I think it was the Maple Leafs were there and it was um I had to sing "O Canada first so I didn't even get to sing the Star Spangled Banner as my first uh anthem at (laughs) Square Garden it was "O Canada because they lead with that and um I didn't think I don't think the uh, fans knew what to expect, and I didn't know what to expect going into it because I didn't know that they were going to be, you know, sort of heckling between the stanzas and the lines. Um, but I had such a warm response for my rendition of it, which I, you know, spent a lot, a good amount of time, kind of figuring out how it would do for for this. And it wasn't until I was actually in the arena in the garden until I really understood, you know, what it was going to feel like for me to you know sing with a microphone in that large of a space and to hear my voice in an arena like that was kind of a um it was an eye opening experience for me. Yeah John
3: talk talk to that point you made a little bit more where you're not just singing the national anthem in front of eighteen thousand rabbit hockey fans, but Ranger fans <laughs> interact with the anthem in a different way than most other fan bases. Did it like, did it catch you off guard very much? Were you prepared for it? Like, does it change how you handle your rendition of the national anthem, knowing that the fans are going to not be sing-songy, but put their own little flair on it?
4: Yeah, well, I've, I've gotten used to it at this point, and I, And if anything, I'm starting to actually, like, play with it. <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun because, you know, I, I, I can anticipate the different parts. Of the song that are that they're going to interact with, and I think that that's great and the last time that I was there um, for the viewing party actually of uh, game six, you know against Tampa Bay, which you know mourning the loss over here, of course, um, as we all are, but it was an amazing experience for me to be able to sing for you know that audience because it was it was a different experience because the the team wasn't there. And it was really just an opportunity for me to perform, you know, uh, for the audience at Madison Square Garden. But they still maintained a lot of the, the same uh, uh, traditions, I guess you can call them, that they, that they normally do. However, they started to sing the whole anthem with me that time. And I would love, you know, in the future, if, if, we, keep, if we keep going with this, <laughs> that we, uh, we get to a point where uh, the audience really does get com- really does get comfortable singing uh singing the anthem along with me
2: well i have to say watching sports for a long time uh not often do people i I've, obviously john uh was was that person but you've taken ranger fandom by storm in many many ways i can't tell you how many people i've seen like john brancy's a fucking man and i agree with them a lot of the no. time so uh where where does this go from here do you, are you like the official opera singer of the playoffs what where what's your official title now for for performing at msg
4: I mean, to be honest with you guys, it's a little bit open-ended at the moment. And, you know, um, I'm okay with that. But I have a professional operatic career that's, you know, really at a really amazing point, but also has had a lot of uh, difficulty coming out of the pandemic. My industry, you know, has uh, suffered pretty serious losses in terms of, um you know two years of shuttered venues essentially right right so we by you know the opera world and um classical music in general is doing what it can right now to kind of make up for lost time and 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 you know seriously lost profit and and a lot has changed in terms of where uh where the art form is going what what it's focusing on and um and what it needs you know So for me right now, I'm, I have a, actually a couple months off in my schedule. I'm using the time to really like think through, you know, what, what is, what does this opportunity mean to me as an artist? Um, One of the other things that I wanted to mention is I, at this viewing party and at the one in Bryant Park as well that they did, I was able to sing uh, New York, New York. And I was, I was able to do it with uh, Ray Playing on the organ over a live kind of karaoke track, but not a karaoke track that's like low quality. A very high quality um, ensemble performing uh, Frank Sinatra's rendition of "New York, New York." Um, so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to you know sing the anthem for sure, but to also you know perform because that's what I do. I'm a I'm a I'm a performer, um, yeah. and I love singing. You know, so I I. It, Going back to just kind of answering you directly with an indirect response, uh, it is open-ended for me right now, and I've yet to really kind of have the conversations that define what my um, what my schedule is going to be for next season. Well, John, that, that dovetails pretty perfectly
3: into where I wanted to go next. Have you seen an uptick in just general – interest in what it is that John Brancy does besides sing the national anthem at MSG like I've had a couple people slide in my DMs and we just say John Brancy's the man as you're singing the anthem and they go hey do you know where I can get more Brancy like how do I what do I do now and I'm like that's a great question let's ask him
4: yeah that's a great question well you know up until this point I've been focusing really heavily on kind of maintaining my presence in in the world of opera and performing at you know it, it's kind of like a, a staged thing right you stand not staged in terms of like it's made up it's, <laughs> it's more wrestling. like you're moving you're in you're actually stages.
2: singing john
4: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <It's> not <laughs> wrestling um <laughs> but are you're moving in stages in terms of a career right so like you start out i, I studied at juilliard so i lived in new york actually for over a decade um, and it wasn't until about 2014-15 that I decided that I wanted to go on the road and live on the road full-time. And I did that up until the pandemic, really. Um, and that, that meant that I was performing and able to like basically have my schedule open to perform all over the, all over the country. So, you know, many, many states, including Florida, Texas, um, California, California northern and southern California, uh, Arizona, uh, Seattle, Washington, um, all throughout Canada, basically almost every single province. I performed in Edmonton probably four or five times. I performed in one competitions in Montreal, international singing competitions. And I've also performed uh, throughout the United Kingdom. I did a, a tour of the entire country with a company called the Glyndebourne Opera Company. Um, as well as performances in France, all throughout Austria, Germany, and um, and even like obscure places like Moscow and uh, Finland. So I've i really and and yeah, just I've really been all over the world at this point, point. Um, and I'm I'm only 33 years old, so <laughs> I've seen a lot uh, in this in this time here. Um, so it's it's amazing to you know for me to have gone. From about you know 2013 was when I graduated with my master's from from Juilliard to now, which is basically 10 years later, and come back to New York. Uh, and this is the kind of you know invitation that I'm that I'm coming back to. It's this invitation to be with the Rangers, with Madison Square Garden, uh, and experience what what this has to offer. Um, so what what do I have out there? I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of really amazing opera companies and symphonies and stuff like that, but I have a really special collaboration with a friend of mine, his name is Peter Dugan. And he's actually the host of an NPR show called From the Top. And the two of us, we, uh, we've we devised a lot of different programs, um, some that have you know had solo recital, is the, is the term, the recital, uh, premieres at like Carnegie Hall and uh, Alice Tully Hall and the Kennedy Center and the two of us have just uh we've also gone and, and done arrangements original arrangements of tunes and if you if you wanted to have a good cry <laughs> i would check out our uh original arrangement of Danny boy a lot of people say it's kind of the um the definitive the definitive arrangement of the song
2: well i do need to cry uh, the rangers did lose so i will check that out yeah uh, <laughs> i got your back on that uh is there has there been a surprising call you've gotten from the attention you've got at MSG? Obviously, the call we got today when you're hanging out at, you know, Stranger Things actors—that's awesome. But has there been anything else, opportunity-wise, that you've been like, holy, that you can actually talk about, like that you've gotten from doing the uh, doing the anthem at MSG? I've
4: call I've gotten called to do some uh, private events, which is uh, for pretty high profile. Um...
2: Hell yeah, John.
4: Sorry, did you did I cut out there? No, I just said hell yeah.
2: I'm congratulating you. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs>
4: yeah, and I and I find that I find that very interesting, and you know something that I would that I'm open to, depending on what it is. You know, I've gotten asked to do a lot of a lot of weddings and um and some funerals actually, but that's not quite in my in my wheelhouse. I'm sorry to say it's it, it really would depend on a lot of different things. It's 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 not a, a flat out no. But it's um, it's very uh, because my schedule is, is quite a quite, you know, full and it's going to potentially get it's going to get much fuller over these years. It's going to be hard for me to kind of prioritize those sorts of things. But um, that's been something that's been interesting. And and, yeah, getting to meet, you know, uh, Michael J. Fox, that was that was amazing. That's awesome. He's a hero, you know, of mine and, and I think a lot of people's. And, and it was really cool to see him backstage and. And just yeah, I mean just getting getting this opportunity to uh to sing for you know, not only the the fans at MSG, which is, you know, the best, but also all the people that have been able to hear my work via ESPN and, and other major sports networks and you know, some of my friends who are who are opera singers, you know, they were traveling during the time and at an airport bar and they would see me on T V and at the airport bar or, you know, at any, any random place that they were traveling or, you know, friends and family that I've, that I haven't been in touch with for a while. I've been reaching out. So it's, it's been amazing. You know, it's, it's a way of, of reconnecting with with people through, through my voice and through a a song that I feel is, I hope, I hope I'm doing it justice, you know, given everything that's been going on in our country and, uh, and the way that, that that song is, you know, I think hopefully I'm I'm portraying it in in such a way that's that's true. John,
3: uh I mean you you obviously you went to Juilliard, so you're familiar with just how rabid New York sports fans can be when their teams are in the playoffs, but I'd say of any specific team, I think Ranger fans have had a very unique connection to their anthem singers. I mean, you you mentioned Amarante Earlier and everything about 1994, you can't talk about it without talking about his renditions of the anthem. At what point in these playoffs did you feel the momentum building where it was like, not only is the Ranger game starting, but it's John Brancy who is starting this Ranger game. And correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't do game one against the Penguins. So you stepped in for game two. And all you proceeded to do was what? Win eight, nine games in a row as the anthem singer. I did
4: game one. I did game one. Oh, I don't. I, yeah, I, I it, misremembered. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I'm pretty sure all of the penguin games. Um. Yeah, I sang all the penguin games that were at home, and I was. I missed one of the the hurricanes hurricane games. I think it was game five. Pretty sure that that's what it was. Or game would it have been game five. They started in in in.
2: No, they got ran out in game five, so it was game six.
4: It
3: would have been. It would have been game six. I don't think you missed game six. I think because I th- I remember joking with people that you and uh, the the hurricane singer who I think was named Adam Lee Pecker, like I wanted you two to just like get in hell in a cell and just duel it out.
4: <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Fun I mean. Yeah, I, I I can't remember which one it was exactly. I know it was May twenty second was the date and that was the date that I was actually I was working in Milwaukee on a on a with the Milwaukee Symphony on a specific project and I couldn't be there. Um so I if you can recall which game that was, then uh that would be the one that I the only one that I missed in the entire the entire playoff run.
2: Was there a moment from the playoffs where you were like, I think this team might do it? Even though they didn't, I, I, I had the
4: feeling it was Game One against Tampa that I, I was like, whoa! <laughs> I
2: was
4: like, they, <laughs> they definitely came out swinging, um, which was interesting for me to see because I was watching the most hockey I've ever, I've ever watched consecutively, and um, you know some of the best hockey I think I've ever seen uh, in my life for sure. And just to see how they, you know, were able to play against this, you know, two time Stanley cup winning team and come out and beat them. What was the score? Six-two. Six-two.
2: That's, that's right. correct.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's a sign to me that the, you know, because you don't, you don't just do that. Right.
2: We agree with you. <laughs> then, then obviously the rest yeah. happened. Uh, unfortunately we're not in the finals and, but we'd love to have you there. Uh so you're saying there's a chance you do you open a live podcast in New York City? You're, is that what you're saying? That's interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm opening a what? You're, you, if there's a chance you could sing before Greg and I do a live podcast in New York City. That's really interesting to hear that. So you're taking private events yeah, yeah, now. that's right. really nice of you. Yeah,
4: exactly, exactly. Awesome.
3: John, was there yeah. was was there a, was there a particular player that interacted with you during the run that was like, I need more Brancy. I need more of this. Keep bringing it.
4: Well, it was actually. I think Truba was on the hot mic the first time. He was like hot mic uh, the first time I was I sang, and they they threw it up on ESPN. I'm pretty sure. And he said, "We got to get that guy back." <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think those are his exact those exact words. And uh, I think I think I retweeted it or something like that. And it was just uh, it was really funny. I mean, I showed it to some of my my friends in, in my world, my music world, and they were just like that's like the best criticism you'll ever get as a singer, you know, like just, or as a musician is just like, it's so, it's just raw, real. And, you know, uh, you know, he just, I I mean, I was really impressed by his, his performance, honestly. And I I think I met uh, Keondra Miller in, when he was doing his warm ups, and he was, he was a really nice guy. I didn't get to meet the whole team. Uh, I would love, love to meet them at some point, but I think the, you know, the juju wasn't quite right um, yet.
2: Makes sense. John, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Greg, do you have any final questions for our dear friend here?
4: Uh, I do have, I have one very important
3: one from a listener and our good friend. Uh, Our buddy Woj wants to know what your go-to
4: karaoke song is.
2: Oh, this is a good question.
4: It's a good question. Well, it's got to be something by Queen. I really like uh, trying to sing Freddie Mercury's music. It's not my actual um, range, but I can sing a mean Bohemian Rhapsody.
3: That's a good answer. That's a great
4: answer. If I, Francie,
3: John, if I heard you doing Bohemian Rhapsody at a bar, I think I'd lose my shit. Yeah, I would too. But I need need to be—I need to be clear. I'm not just being like like fangirling, going nuts. I think my like my soul would leave my body in a way where, like, Freddie Mercury would take over and
4: would just take everything from there. It's definitely a little bit more uh, full-throated, as as it were. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm not a tenor. I'm a baritone, right? He was definitely a tenor. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Sometimes, you know, if if there's a karaoke situation going on, I've I've been known to do this. Um, It's kind of like – it's my um, Bill Murray – you know how like people just like end up like bumping into Bill Murray?
2: Yeah.
4: Have you ever heard about this? I mean, I have a Bill Murray story myself. Wow. I, I can kind of get into that if you want me to. But oh
3: yeah, well now we need it's, to know the yeah, Bill Murray story. You cannot
4: say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll dog ear the Bill Murray story. It's a bit ridiculous, but um, but everybody has a Bill Murray story somehow. But my I, my thing is like, if I pass a bar or like a karaoke night somewhere, and I'm just like, kind of not planning on it. I'll walk in and I'll sing Bohemian Rhapsody and I'll leave. <laughs>
2: That's so rude. <laughs> I, they, everyone, everyone in the bar it. has to be like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, literally, it's 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 such a hilarious. Uh, <laughs> like, I just drop a bomb and then I just peace out. I don't buy a drink. I don't do anything. I just <laughs> I've done it. I've done it in Brooklyn. I've done it in London, and uh, I think one other place.
3: I, I, and what, what this means is you're just going to get a bunch of Ranger fans now going to random karaoke bars throughout New York City, not singing, just waiting to see if yeah. you appear. That's all they're going to be doing now.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'd love to get – I'd love to, like, normalize, you know, singing We Are the Champions. For everybody at, at MSC at some point, gotta win first, John. Be a lot that be As soon as it
2: happens, I promise. Yeah, I
4: know, <laughs> I know. That, we'll save that. We'll save that for the big win for sure. Yeah,
3: the the, um, the but, we the we are the president's trophy doesn't ro- roll off the tongue the same way.
4: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the one thing I'm hearing is you guys wanna you're you're confused as to whether to call me Brancy or John. Just call me Brancy, it's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Brancy it is. Yeah, well it's
3: it's yeah. just like I, I, I do the I do the thing with all my friends where I never actually call them by their actual name. And I just assume we're best friends now. So I can't just call you yeah, John exactly. how
4: informal. No. How informal. Yeah, no. That's that that that's the thing. I mean, I think I have a lot of friends who call me Brancy and it's it kind of is just the name that I go by.
2: Brancy, before we go, could you tell us your Bill Murray story?
4: Yeah. So I was 11 years old, <laughs> and I was uh, coming home from um, a, a visit to see my uh, extended family in Denver, actually. I have a whole bunch of family in Denver that are like, you know, they, they were watching the playoffs, of course, and, and they're freaking out about the ads right now. Um, and it was in the Denver airport, and I was 11 years old, and my mother spotted Bill Murray Known him or known of him from uh, from Ghostbusters, and uh, I ended up because during that time, for whatever reason, I was doing I was doing impressions. I wasn't really singing that much. I was like doing in- impersonations of, of adult male actors, <laughs> and I ended up doing an impersonation for Bill Murray of uh, um, of Sling Blade.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a true story. Man. That's crazy. Yeah. I know. Now
3: now I just feel like I need a Bill Murray story.
2: I don't have one. We do not have one. We do need you'll to all, get going You'll
3: you'll
4: on. get one at some point.
2: We will. We'll, we'll get all there. all have
4: one.
3: We'll
2: Franzi, all have one. Thank you so much. Is there a place like are you on Spotify? Is that a thing? I didn't even check yet. Yeah. I am. Cool. With Peter, actually just to give a plug for that, um
4: yeah. I've done two two albums. One is a live album and they're both like a, they're they they go together um there are uh, uh, 51 songs by mostly by composers who fought um and died in World War one. I. I did these from 2014 to 2018 Wow and uh, that's where we did Danny Boy because it was a famous song a song made famous in World War one and so 2014 to 2018 was the hundredth anniversary of the war and we spent a lot of time kind of touring uh to various uh, concert halls but also and that's where I ended up. Um, you know, singing my first anthems were for uh, the military community, um, doing this uh, these sets of songs as well. So, um, yeah, you can check that out. It's on Spotify. Uh, just look at, look at my name. Awesome. Now, yeah. I, I will I say just, just just so
3: you just so you're prepared, both the Mets and the Yankees seem really good this year. You your talents. Might be needed outdoors in October. Just, just clear the month.
2: I think we lost John. How, how, that, oh. how that goes? Oh,
4: yeah. Sorry. I think I think I cut out a little bit there. I went through a dead zone. All good. Can you hear me?
2: Yeah, we can hear you. You're all
4: good. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'm very interested in that, and uh, it was great talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having me on the on the podcast.
2: Of course, Brancy, Thank you so much for coming on. You can check out Brancy on Spotify, Google him. Find them everywhere you find Opera, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much, Branty. See ya. And now it's everyone's favorite podcast time, where I try and read 76 names of our NHL Insiders clubs in a row. For the millionth week in a row, it seems. Where I still somehow pronounce someone's name differently every single week. Despite actually knowing, and even some of you correcting me, I probably will not do this correctly so here we go adam cassidy adam cohen adam cutrullo adam adam keach a Keach, adam keach <laughs> oh my god Alex carter amber cohenberger anthony tarragata ben wevers ben ben weber ben waters brett mcginnis brian doyle brian gallagher brian mallon broadway blucher bleeder chris finale chris haru cj sellwagon Conrad p damage daniel Dezen, zen david and david siegel dennis deitz darian eric stagg garrett ranis skip Gardner, cup gretzky gareth mcfly Handle Harrison, Asco, Hip, Hip 89 Hollisauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake B, James Masker, J, J, uh, Jamie Filippone, Filippone? Damn it, I suck. Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy Back, JJ, Frankie, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Keston, Bob Justin Friedman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Laura Ross. It's, I know, now, I think it's Leigh Schick Gronkowski. I think I, a Schick? I think I nailed it. I've been saying I, I for the first time in his. Okay. Luigi Ardano, Matt, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kine, Meball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas D. Nicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodarev, Pro World of Tanks, Gamer, Randy Tesser, Scottish Grand, Sean Taggart, Steven Manila, Steve Box, Swineguard, Tommy Welsh, Tom Clary, Tom Ertz, Tommy O'Neill, Tory from Hatton Upstate, Vin, Vinny Rocco, Vinny Hay, Will Specter, and Winston the Golden Retriever. This Tampa team's not going to die easy, I don't think. Uh, As we're recording this, uh, they just went up 4-2. It seems oddly familiar, doesn't it? I know I'm recording before the end of the game, and it's probably going to bite me in the ass. Uh, Tampa just doesn't play the first two games. Why would you? Just show show up and get rested. And then while this stupid Ranger team is going out there trying to uh, beat your ass for the first two games, you got them right where you want them, right, Tampa? Oh boy, I don't know how I'd feel about it. If the Rangers in the Cup right now. Oh, I do know how I feel: sick, nervous, uh, disgusted, happy, elated, uh, all those things and more is how I'd feel to the Rangers uh, being there. But nonetheless, I watched this series, and uh, boy, I think these are the two best teams. I hate to say it, I think Igor could have com- could have competed. I mean, honestly, but these a- this Avalanche team is ridiculous. I know this game game three is not going the way I expected it to, but Man, what two what, insanity teams. It just shows you how far the Rangers have to go and how much their depth players are going to have to show up along with their superstars. Because you know what Tampa keeps doing? Their superstars. the Superstars? I've been podcasting for too long. Superstars show up too often. Stamkos and Kucherov were everywhere during our series, Panarin just wasn't. I still think he was injured. Eh, might know some things. Who knows? We'll be back next week. Or if you're a BSB OT person, we'll be back Wednesday afternoon. You know where we are. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Bye.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more,